and have in fact been right by our side ever since the last time we gathered together. Thank you for this chance to humbly grow closer to you and to learn about you through those around us. Help us to have open ears, hearts, and minds to hear your spirit. Amen. Our first two songs in the hymnal, number 62 and 63, um, are kind of related because they both talk about where God is. I was talking with a friend recently. Um, we were looking at the hymnal, and he was noting words like God above or this Holy Spirit must come down. And he said, God location alert, <laughs> and was pointing out, like, this is, this is some theology about where God is. Um, and so these two songs, I think, together are a pretty powerful statement. God is here among us. God is within us. God is under us, above us, in front of us. And our home is with God. So with that, we'll start with 62. God is here among us. Please stand to sing if you'd like to sing. Stand. <laughs>
63, like a rock, like a rock, like a rock, God is under our feet. Like the starry night sky, God is over our head. Like the sun on the horizon, God is ever before. Like the river runs to ocean, our home is in God evermore. God, that dependable rock. God, that God that is always with us. What are you thankful for today? Because God's, of God's dependence, God's faithfulness to us, I'm sure there are big things and small things that you might be grateful for. So let's create our own uh, prayer of thanksgiving together by just from where you're at, shouting out what you are thankful for. And I will repeat it so that those on Zoom um, can hear. And Zoomers, feel free to uh, type in the chat and we'll hear from Aaron if you have something to say. So big or small, what are you grateful for? God, hear our prayers of thanksgiving. Cooler weather. This church family. Health. Just being here. Can you repeat it again? Corn on the cob. God, thank you. Accept our prayer of thanksgiving. Amen. Let's sing like a rock. The song like a rock, I should say. You don't have to sing as though you were a rock. I didn't mean it that way. Like a rock, like a rock, God is under our feet. Like the night guy, God is over our head. Like the sun on the horizon, God is under before. Like the river runs to ocean, our home is in God evermore. Like a Our theme today, we continue with uh, using this book during the summer, uh, Let the Children Come to Me. 
And our theme today is service to one another. Quoting from the book, to serve means to give your time, talents, and energy to help another person or help a situation. This happens in ways both small and large. Some adults and families choose to participate in voluntary service assignments for specific periods of time. Anabaptists look to the life of Jesus in the New Testament as an example of a person who served others, even those who were excluded or appeared to be enemies. When have you done something that would be considered service? How was it received? Why did you do it? When have you let others serve you? We'll look at Jesus as our model, a person who humbled himself and washed his disciples' feet, a person who shows us what love in action really looks like. Connie will read Philippians. Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from, from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but it emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father, of God the Father. For our time of confession today, let's turn to 891 in the back. So today's theme is about humbling ourselves, coming clean before God, confession, receiving God's mercy, and then doing something about it, service. So as we do this confession, I'd like us to see each other and know that we're doing this together. So I'm going to invite you to bring your hymnal and to gather around here in somewhat of a semicircle 
as we read this together. So as you're able, please stand, join me in a circle. Kind of oblong. However, however, we can kind of see each other a little bit. Yeah, yeah, spread out, you're good. Eight ninety one. For the times that we have lied to one another and the times that we have been lied to. For the times that we have laughed at another's pain and the times we've been laughed at. For the times we have betrayed a friend, and the times that we have been betrayed. For the times we have spoken when we should have remained silent, and the times we have remained silent when we should have spoken. Hear these words of good news. Because of God's great love for us and God's ridiculous and undeserved mercy, we are fully forgiven. Therefore, live as those who are truly loved and truly forgiven through the gift of God's grace. We have confessed, been forgiven, and now we do something because of it. We extend that love to each other. So as we've done a bit in the past, I invite you to gather up an invisible ball of peace or love, and we cannot keep that to ourselves. We need to serve each other and pass it to someone else. So go ahead and get somebody's attention and toss it to them. Pick another person, keep going a bit. Nice, that is zooming around. Thank you, you can have a seat. From the book of John, chapter 13, verses 2 through 17. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You do not know now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. 
Jesus said to him, One who is bathed does not need to wash, except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him. And for this reason he said, Not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe, and had returned to the table, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Let's sing Will You Let Me Be Your Servant, number 778. And if you'd like to stand to sing, that'd be great. Amy. Um, I'm going to be reflecting on the readings today. This might be a bit of an unpopular opinion, but I'm not a big fan of foot washing as a practice in church. I would like to say as a disclaimer that I did not bully Lori into not doing foot washing today. It was not something that was planned, just in case there's any, just to clear that up. And I did check with her to make sure that, you know, I wasn't going to say this right before we did foot washing. 
Um, part of it is just not a practice I grew up with. Um, my childhood church did foot washing once a year as part of a holy, part of Holy Thursday service. And it was generally more of a reenactment, reenactment than a communal practice. The pastor would remove his outmost layer, outmost layer of his vestments and wash the feet of 12 parishioners. I was grown before I attended a church where the, as I have done so much, so must you do bit was taken quite so literally. And I admit, part of the issue for me, I don't like anyone touching my feet. Um, I don't like foot washing for the same reason I don't like getting pedicures. I'm very ticklish. And it's stressful for me to let someone touch my feet and to remember that I am not supposed to kick them. But the, the main issue, though, for me, I think, is that in our culture, able-bodied adults rarely experience someone washing their feet. Um, I can even, couldn't even think of a lot of cases where we care for some care for one another's bodies when we're when we're able when we're able to care for our own bodies. Uh, maybe I can think of some like spa or salon services, um, but those are the sort of things that you know can be seen as more of a privilege for the wealthy, or something that could be considered extravagance, or something that could be considered just a necessary errand. You know, it's not something that we we don't really have a parallel that I could think of. Maybe one of y'all can do, I but I couldn't. Um, you know, and moreover, in our culture, our feet are especially hidden away. Um, you know, you hear about, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but people joking before foot washing services that, you know, they have to make sure their feet don't stink or they need to get, go get a pedicure so people don't get scared by their ugly feet or, you know, these sorts of things. Maybe we keep different company, I don't know, but I've heard these things. Um, so I've noticed that um, so many of the emotions that we talk about around foot washing, um, things like embarrassment of how our feet look or smell, um, discomfort at having our feet touched, um, or even positive feelings of being pampered or cared for, um, those things probably would not have been experienced by the disciples. Um, their feet weren't hidden away, um, and it sounds like, based on the text, that having a servant wash the, the guest's feet at a dinner party um, would have been pretty typical, um, a practical necessity um, likely performed by a servant that the guests would not have taken much notice of. When we do foot washing in a modern day church service, we experience emotions around the oddity of having our feet washed or washing another person's feet. Um, but in Jesus's day, it was just more of a mundane experience. The unusual part was that a the came in a leader doing a servant's work. And that leader's command that every person follow his example and do the work of a servant. Now, regardless of what we feel like feel about foot washing in practice, it's pretty clear that Jesus was setting an example that went beyond who is responsible for washing guests' feet at a dinner party. Jesus' action as leader and teacher washing his followers' feet tore down the division between those who serve and those who are served by others. No person is so important that they should not be expected to attend to the needs of others. Every person matters and can expect to have their needs met. And there is no one at this party who is beneath notice, there only to serve and never to be served. Jesus explains to his disciples the reason for his action. He says, so if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you 
also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you should do what I have done. Because Jesus is their teacher and Lord, and servants are not greater than their master, no one who claims to follow Jesus can say it is beneath their dignity to do lowly work in service of a neighbor. In the story, we also see that Jesus, we also see that the disciples are expected to accept the service of their master. And this isn't a minor point of the story. Uh, when Peter tries to prevent Jesus washing his feet, Jesus says, unless I wash your feet, you have no share with me. It seems that Jesus didn't mean to just, you know, wash a few people's feet, like, symbolically, um, so he would be seen washing other people's feet. It seems important to him that every person present receive this act of service from him. Now, the text doesn't give us any insight into what Peter was thinking when he said that Jesus would not wash his feet. Was he trying to show that he was more respectful and devoted to Jesus than his friends by refusing to allow Jesus to serve him, even as Jesus offered? Did he suddenly feel uncomfortable with needing another person to wash his feet, something he might not have considered if a lowly servant was the one doing the washing? Or maybe he was embarrassed by his feet. You know, even though his feet weren't hidden by shoes, they were probably hard and calloused from years of working on his boat working on his fishing boat barefoot. And the idea of his great teacher touching his, touching his feet might have just been too much for him. But whatever lay behind Peter's reservations, Jesus was adamant. He was their leader, and he was choosing to serve them. Though refusing to allow Jesus serve him, to serve him might have seemed like an act of respect, Jesus suggests that it showed a failure to understand and embrace the way that Jesus was showing them. The call to live as a community where each person, no matter how lowly, can expect to have their needs met, and each person, no matter how great, would work to make sure that each person had everything they need. Along the same lines, the Philippians passage we read today instructs, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. I suspect that to us, this teaching might sound a little bit like a you know, pretty basic foundational principle, what it means to follow Jesus. But it's a difficult teaching. When you, when you take um, you know, our animal instincts to work for our own survival, um, the independence and self-sufficiency that our culture so values, all these things make this teaching pretty counterintuitive. It can also be a dangerous idea, particularly when it ex exists alongside hierarchies and power imbalances. You don't have to look hard for examples when, in the name of humility and putting others before oneself, people have been encouraged to remain in abusive family structures or to offer unquestioning support to unjust leaders and institutions. This principle of putting others' interests before one's own is meant to exist in a community where every person is on board. If the whole community commits to putting the interests of others before, before their own, then every member of the community has people looking out for their interests. We can feel free to put, other, 
put others before ourselves because we know that we have a community of people who are doing the same for us. I think this as an ideal though is, seems impossible because it's the antithesis of our society's expectation that every individual and family is responsible for meeting their own needs. If we admit that we have needs that we can't fill on our own, it can feel like admitting failure. There are these implied divisions between the successful and the unsuccessful, those who give charity and those who take charity, those who can offer help to others, and those of us who need all the help we can get. As Jesus washes his disciples' feet, he exposes those sorts of distinctions as nonsense. Every person needs different sorts of help at different points in their lives, and every person has the capacity to serve their neighbors. No one is immune to needing others, and no one is excused from the expectation that they will serve others in their need. The Philippians text that we read today wasn't suggested by the, um, by the book that we're following, whose name I cannot remember at this time. Let the children come to me? Okay. <laughs> um, but I love this text, and I kind of tend to want to read it any time I can justify it. Um, but I also think it fits really well here. Um, I particularly love the image of Jesus in the second half of the text, presented as an example to follow. Uh, it says that Jesus, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing or emptied himself by taking on the very nature of a servant. I love that this image begins with Jesus's worthiness. It begins with his choice to become a servant. I think this points us to a humility that's rooted not in a sense of our own unworthiness or shame or any negative things of that nature, but in the choice to recognize that each person, ourselves included, have equal and inestimable value. Serving one another is not just an expression of humility for its own sake. It's a recognition that each of us does have needs and that we all have a part to play in making sure that the needs of each person are met. Um, I did not, um, when writing this, I did not reflect a lot or really at all um, in my, what I said about um, where this fits in with Anabaptist culture. Um, I was not raised Anabaptist and I think a lot of my efforts to kind of work that in either sound like inappropriate outsider criticism or sucking up. Um, <laughs> it just, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't going. Um, so I would love to hear um, some of your experiences, um, what as from Anabaptist, from Anabaptist identity and self-understanding, like what servant, being a servant means in that context. Um, you can tell me why I'm wrong about foot washing, that's fine too. Um, but yeah, I just would, that would be, um, I hope we can share some of that in, um, in response time, which will be coming up probably after a song, right, Lori? Thanks, all. So the next song um, we're going to listen to, uh, I guess you're welcome to sing along as, as well if you like. Uh, is it 493? I didn't look at the, yeah. Um, 
493, all the room was hushed and still.
Please pray with me. Merciful God, your love for us makes us bold to join our prayers with all who need your help. So we bring our prayers to you. God, we lift up to you all of our unspoken pain and worry that we carry with us. God, we praise you for the reminders that you quietly give us of your presence. Nature, conversation with a friend, health, shelter, and all the many signs that you're constantly giving us. God, thank you for Milwaukee Mennonite and for your guidance and presence in our lives individually and as a congregation. We thank you for modeling servanthood through Jesus. Help us to be your hands, your feet, and your eyes to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Our sending song is number 771, We've Been Sent by God. Um, you'll note that it's got two parts and each part repeats. Um, we'll just sing it through three times. You feel free to listen to me sing it through the first time and then join in as you're able. We have been sent by God with our hands prepared to serve and we build along with God a family here on earth. We have been sent by God with our hands prepared to serve and we build along with God a family here on earth. The angels are not sent to change this world of pain into a world of love where peace and justice reign it falls to each of us to do this work today we seek to do your will oh help us god we pray the angels are not sent to change this world of pain into a justice reign it falls to each of us to do this work today we seek to do your will oh help us god we pray we have been sent by god with our hands prepared to serve and we build along with god a family here on earth we have been sent by god Into 
thank you, everyone, um, for playing music, for leading singing, for reading scripture, doing audio, sermon giving. Um, we do this work together. Please stand for the benediction. May the Christ who serves with wounded hands stretch out your hands to serve. May the Christ who walks with wounded feet walk with you on the road. May you see the face of Christ in everyone you meet, and may everyone you meet see the face of Christ in you. Amen. You may be seated. There are refreshments. Uh, there will be refreshments outside the door. Go in peace. <laughs>